Hello and welcome to the Smell Test Podcast, the weekly podcast where we review beloved movies from our past to see whether as of today, in end of November 2023, they still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks. We conclude the episode by judging whether or not the film we've watched passes the smell test or not. Now, before we get started, a couple disclaimers. Uh, we are full of spoilers if you have not seen the classic childhood film blank check from 1994 and you would like to watch it before we talk about it because we're gonna um create some spoilers here also sometimes diane calls people dead who aren't really dead in real life this happens um so get ready buckle in we're very excited about this week we have a special guest so to introduce ourselves i am just homer i'm an attorney and I am also interested in areas like employment law, ethics, and compliance. I also teach at the college and law school level, and I'm a yoga instructor, and was born in 81. Pass it off to my friend, Diane. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Diane. Uh, I'm 36 for about two more months. Uh, this film came out about a week after my seventh birthday, hey. so very excited about that. Um in terms of where I come out with these, I mean, I like looking at things to see how fucked up they are. I like watching things with, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So um, I study a lot of ethics, a lot of equity in my life. I study a lot of <laughs> um, neoliberalism, which relates to today's uh, <laughs> today's episode. Uh, so yeah, that's how I how I like to look at things. And today, but I'm really happy uh, to announce. Finally, I have a guest. I have a good friend <laughs> who's here with me today. So uh, Daniel's here. I've known Daniel for 17 years. So um, good friend of mine. So. Daniel, hey, give us a little bit of info about who you are. Hello, I am Daniel Peewee Wardy. I am a multi-hyphenated person. Uh, someone someone referred to me as a multi-hyphenated celebrity today, so I, I wanted to say multi I like it. I nice. Like it. Comedian, screenwriter, uh, librarian is my, like, what pays the rent and gives me health insurance. And I am a sugary uh, fanatic. I'm a citizen of the Comanche Nation, and yeah, I do stuff. I do things, and uh, what else do I got? I've been, I've, I just had an art show, so I've been like having to do a lot of talks, and I'm kind of tired of talking about myself. Well, it's also, um, <laughs> what is the official title of this month? Native American Native American Heritage Month, and so I'm kind of like the guy you've got that... a lot of invites. Related yeah, I gotta to go. Just talk, I'm gonna make a lot of white folk feel guilty about that. Yeah. Well, but like in a nice way, it. so it's not too guilty because then they don't respond. <laughs> so, um, but other things about Daniel, you are known, you're a local celebrity where you live because you were also an actor in an award-winning indie film, short oh, film. Oh, okay. And also, yeah. Daniel, I would say, is our most, like, um, thus far, our, our most, like, expert in film because beyond 
being selected for a Sundance Fellowship, you also like isn't your bachelor's in something like film adjacent or film? Yeah, uh, English with a concentration in screen theory at Oklahoma State University. Yeah, so, which... so Daniel's so serious that he tried to make us go through points before we started. And we said, <laughs> no, 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 that's not what we do here, we that do it wrong. Is- we just like we just like can I say raw dog it? Is that okay? <laughs> raw dog it. Fully, fully raw. <laughs> so our friend Daniel has brought the phenomenal film Blank Check to us today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> blank Check is the story of a young boy who was a lot in his feelings throughout the beginning of the movie. Uh, gets hit by uh, gets his bike hit by a criminal, and the criminal hands him a blank check, and he smartly cashed it for a million dollars. Hilarity ensues. Tell us why this was an important movie to you. I always, I think it's important because I was working class, so I was like, um, my parents were like, like both kind of government employees. So like I went on those, like the movie opens with like a birthday where the kid doesn't have enough money. And like, mm-hmm. that was like, I had that experience of like poverty trauma at field trips. Yeah. And like, I think I was like, but watching and I kind of just remember it's like, oh, about this kid and he's kind of poor, but he's not poor. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he no, was not. I don't remember. My brain didn't look. But I just remember seeing Blank Check and being like, this is a fun movie. But it also came out in all these movies, which I call the the I Want Candy movies. And it was like heavyweights, these like Disney, like live action children's films. So wait, how old were you when it came out? February. I was born in 1985. So February of 94, I would have been eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it came out in a group in a good group of movies. Had you seen this one before, Diane? I loved it. So I have to admit, Daniel keeps apologizing, taking the fall for me. I which think I you already had it on the list. Yeah, but like <laughs> Daniel, like Daniel has come to me with a few different movies, <laughs> and I've been like, like maybe. And then Daniel suggested Blank Check, and I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Because I loved this movie. Um, I had some weird sexual awakenings with a certain scene in the film um, that I remember. You were real into when the adult woman kissed the child on the lips. That was your moment. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's why she's so fucked up. This gives us I was into into- all the other ones. <laughs> I, I'm sophisticated actually. I was into um them dancing in the fountain, but um so you know but I love this movie. And I think related to Daniel's point, I think I probably related to a lot of um like I don't I'm not sure I watched this like right when it came. There's no way I would have seen this right when it came out. Um so I probably was watching it couple like a year or two after maybe 95 ish after it came mm-hmm. out i would say and uh definitely also related to the 
So, Daniel, you mentioned the I Want Candy movies. I personally also thought about there was a film that came out with Macaulay Culkin called Richie Rich. That's what it was. Eric Richie. and I were trying to figure it out because he was like, oh, isn't that the kid from Malcolm in the Middle? And then we went through it. I'm like, I know um, I've seen a movie very much like this. But I don't remember this one. Mm-hmm. It's, there's Rich, also yeah. Getting Even with Dad, which is a similar movie about stolen money that... Oh. M- Macaulay Culkin was in with Ted Danson, I think. Huh. Okay. I heard that one. All right. But there was like a whole genre of movies that was very much, I would say, designed to <laughs> promote consumerism amongst children. And, and it was like, look how fucking cool it would be if you had money and could do these things with all look your how money. You would be happy for four out of six days. Also, that movie, I feel this movie has like, I think, molded me because I am fiscally irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> I own some dumb stuff. I <laughs> think, yeah, like looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. This makes sense why I have certain conceptions of how adults live, maybe. <laughs> so, Jess, you hadn't seen it. I don't think so. I don't really remember it. That's interesting. You yeah. would have and been he, 12 I would have been 12, yeah. yeah. And and I, but I remember all those like other movies, like I remember Heavyweights and Richie Rich. Problem Child was probably way before this, right? The one with John Ritter. As the that dad. was like that 90, I believe. 89 90, yeah. or 90. So I remember movies like this. I just don't remember this one, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Tone Loke is another. I feel like, okay, this movie, if you look at the, the song Bow Wow Wow, I Love Candy, it shows up. I forgot all the movies it was in, but it's like, it shows up in a movie in the 80s, and then it's in Blank Check. It's in Heavyweights. And then it's in Romy, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Which I love mm. that one, too. So I love that movie so much. And I love him. Major highlight for me in this movie. Tone Loke. Tone Loke? Yeah. I love Okay, well, let's just start there. Let's start with Tone Loke's character. So there's like maybe at most three whole non-white characters. Tone Loke's one of them, who's a criminal. Then you have a detective who's non-white. And then a party planner. That's pretty much it. The party planner is fucking Debbie Allen. Can we take a second, though, to debrief on this? You just said you love Tone Loke. Mm Mm-hmm. Funky Cold Medina tone look. I loved him in this movie. <laughs> he was also he was one in my two Ninjas. favorite characters in this movie. I love so I knew Tone Look from this film before I knew Tone Look as a singer or a music artist. Um, but we like him still, I guess, huh? Did he, what's wrong? No, oh, no, why don't I don't like him. Do I want to look it up? It's fucking. It's the T phobia, right? It's that's uh, oh. that's the problem with Funky Cole Medina. Oh yeah. Uh, isn't it also about? Hold on. Isn't yeah. it just like in general? Like, isn't that like? It's about like a drink that like roofing people. Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Okay, so real quick, while you look this up, so this is the movies, okay, Blank Check in 94, and then in 95, Bow Wow Wow's I Want Candy shows up in Heavyweights in a montage, and then in 1996, it shows up in Biodome. Oh, 
in 97, oh. it shows up in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. And then it doesn't show up again in a movie until 200 Cigarettes in 99 and High Fidelity in 2000. So That's wild. Yeah, the song is about date rape. Funk and Cole Medina's? Yeah. 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 It's about Cosby Ooh. in it. Yeah. I don't want to read the lyric style of candy because I feel like there might be a subtext I'm not prepared for. <laughs> I don't want a girl that short. Yeah. No! Yeah. <laughs> but, so, with Blank but Debbie Check, Allen, let's not... Debbie Allen, random character, but ballet phenomenon. Very important member of the Black community, right? We like her. She taught Cardi B how to dance. Deborah, Deborah Allen was the event planner, right? Yeah, Debbie, yeah. Debbie Allen. Yeah. Uh, did you how did you feel like did could do we talk or we're not doing a synopsis right could, yeah okay yeah, we can just talk about whatever okay because i was like the wig snatching moment did you catch oh. that oh, oh my god why? so unnecessary <laughs> such, <laughs> an aggression, such an aggressive act <laughs> I didn't uh, understand on the, the one non-white woman in the entire film <laughs> gets her fucking wig <laughs> just taken off her head for no reason. There was no, no reason. purpose. There was no purpose to that wig. There was literally I... no. And all she did was take away a cup from somebody, which like at a party, which like you're supposed to expect to give a cup back at a party. <laughs> like that's yeah. She got oh, stiff. She's okay. like the she's like the true victim of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she's an event work planner who got stiffed. <laughs> okay, but so back to other victims of this film though. <laughs> Preston Waters is the whitest freaking name ever. <laughs> okay, so this is what this is my first take on this kid. I'm sorry, Diane. What were yeah, you? No, say? you I'm go get it. So this is my thing. Is that I really vacillate. I try really hard to be an empathetic person. And I do think that scene of him trying to... His parents made him go to a birthday party of a kid he hated and then did not allow him, like, any chance of having fun at that movie, giving him $6, $6 for the whole... Uh, the whole... Uh, why am... The whole fairgrounds experience. Why don't mm -hmm. I know how to say Six Flags? Okay. But first of all, in 1994, that fucking roller coaster did not cost $7 to get on. So it got a little intense there for a minute. But that kid, so I try really hard. I know that that was probably a sad moment if it really happened. However, everything else that kid whines about is like, why are we so poor? My life sucks. And I'm like, bro, you had, like, he's mad his brothers are using his room for business. I'm like, I don't have my own room, motherfucker. Like, come on. And he's crying about being poor. So part of me is like, Jessica, he doesn't know that his problems aren't actually that big. So be a little <laughs> empathetic. He's a fucking child. No, the he's not. He's like, shut the fuck up, kid. So, so Daniel, you said you related to him because you didn't have money to pay for things. On a second yeah. watch, do you agree with Jess that he actually didn't have it that bad? No, he didn't have it that bad at all. I mean, like, he's he given a hard. computer in 1994. I, right. like, I didn't have a computer <laughs> at all until I went to sophomore year in college. Is I was I a web TV kid. <laughs> <laughs> We had web TV in like 98 yeah. until my papa had one of those. Yeah. 
which was it was essentially a TV. I mean, that's what a bunch of conference rooms have now. Just a giant TV and a like wireless mouse and a wireless. Um, it might not have been wireless back then, <laughs> but but it was essentially a TV that you could use for the internet. But it was like really shitty. Yeah, it was very like it all was, but it wasn't very functional compared to a computer. Like you couldn't like write a paper on web TV. Yeah, it was basically like check your email, check a website, like a primitive iPad. Yeah, I would say. Um, that's interesting. I still felt really bad for him. Um, maybe I I think when I was younger, I probably had a crush on him, but I feel bad for him for the following reasons. He is those he was a victim, like his brothers were fucking abusive. Like they literally punched him in the arm and they're like, Don't rub it, don't rub it, be a man, don't rub it. Like don't suit yourself. Which is creepy. And then his dad... And they stole his money. Yeah, they stole his money. And then you mentioned the dad and how the dad was like... Or you didn't mention the dad. You mentioned how the room got turned into a business. But the dad was kind of like, I love them more because they make money. Like, that's pretty much the message he was sending the kid. And I was just watching it and I felt bad for Preston. But I also kept thinking, wow, Preston is the archetype for why we have so many like Bitcoin bros these days. Like all those <laughs> Bitcoin bros that watch this, like they grew up to be who they are, who like they want to put money in NFTs and like make it fast because there's a scene where Preston's like doing a calculator on, oh, if I put my shit in a bank account, what would that look like? Like with interest. And he was like, oh, it would take like 350 like years to um get a million dollars from that so yeah i feel like hell is being at a bar with a bunch of bitcoin bros in austin texas where the movie was partially filmed watching (laughs) playing check and just like you know they love it (laughs) it's a neoliberal fantasy i thought it was more like a libertarian like I got libertarian vibes in Republic because it's like <laughs> the movie is like the dad's like your brothers are industrious so they're rewarded. Right. And then the kid is like I want money now I for nothing. Money, <laughs> but I'm, I want to be lazy as shit. Which you know. <laughs> um. But I so there's a scene that I feel like is a huge libertarian dog whistle where the kid walks into the bank and he sees a statue of Atlas. <laughs> and he's like i feel you buddy and i don't know if he shrugs but i, I feel like <laughs> i feel like it was enough of a nod to like atlas shrug that i was like okay fuck this whole movie you know what? i've never read atlas shrug but I, all i remember is how many scholarships that were available if you wrote an essay about atlas shrug like for when I so when I, I was, just had a synopsis like fire. <laughs> so when I went to so when I was in high school, you were given like this big book of in your guidance counselor's office of the scholarships you could apply for. And I was like, eh, I don't care enough to read that. So I didn't. And I've never read it. That's the cool. whole story. <laughs> and that's why you have student loan debt. Yeah. 
if I am dying with it, I was like, I'm not gonna put in. That's a lot of effort. That's so there's this. They get a they get a Macintosh in the film. Did you guys catch this weird like prophetic? Uh, or the so the the brothers get a they put a like a computer in the room and like. The dad goes, "Hey, this thing will teach you anything, everything, but how to make love to a woman." Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, "Hey, get that program." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was like, which you know, like with internet porn, it's like, I mean, did they have not have an idea of like, I don't know, it was weird. It's a weird line in twenty twenty three. Like, given that uh, we have all of it at our disposal now. Yeah, which I feel like computers are exclusively used for porn now. Like we're, te- <laughs> but I mean, uh, I just want to clarify that uh, everyone is clothed during this podcast, and they're all in trucker hats, peace <laughs> talks. So not everything is sex online. Thank you. I am also wearing Crocs. <laughs> you know that Croc story about um, uh, idiocracy, right? No. Have you heard that story? So, and when Idiocracy was getting made, and which I think is like, I feel like everyone should have to watch that movie at this point in time. It's important. Mm-hmm. When Idiocracy was being made, um, the the clothing designer or whatever, she was trying to find something really stupid for people to wear. So she found Crocs before they were famous. So there are hundreds of extras in that movie and every single one of them is wearing orange Crocs. And she was like, and they were like, well, what happens if they become popular? And she's like, you should see these things. They're so ugly. They're never going to make it. And it ruined That's it. That's great. That's They're a good. fact. <laughs> Crocs are back, baby. <laughs> yeah, because we are moving into the land of idiocracy. So well, it worked we definitely, out great. I just watched it this year. Um, and, you know, with idiocracy, like maybe blank check is kind of the antecedent of idiocracy <laughs> because it's kind of like an inflated version of the world. But you know, there's a few things there, like loungewear. Everyone wears a lot of loungewear, which I still yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had in- some cool fabrics in idiocracy, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, back to this movie, 1991. He. <laughs> So he writes a blank check for a million bucks. Does anybody know what that is in today dollars? No, mm-hmm. did, did you look it up? I haven't yet. I will. Oh. It's probably like three. <laughs> so there's probably a like moment, three right? Years. So important, uh, though we don't want to go through the whole script, it is important to know his grandmother accidentally writes him a blank check and his dad fills in $11. And that's how he learns you can just fill in whatever you want from blank checks. So when he was hit. Which is exactly how I learned that's how checks work. And listen, <laughs> that could be culturally relevant today because do kids know how to write checks anymore? Um, no, but also kind of related to that. I took a class in high school where like for like probably a week straight, we had to practice writing checks. <laughs> and your teacher has collected them all in. And all of a sudden, in two weeks, Diana Day is going to get a well, it was $1,000 like withdrawal. It was like a booklet of like Xerox, like sample checks. And then mm-hmm. you were just writing in the book. Like, they're like, now write one for $50,400. And then you had to like write it. And like, that was 
It was like a life skills class. You remember, do you remember the, like the real? I don't know. If you did. You guys remember? But like in college, when you knew you can go to Walmart, you could write a check for fifty if you needed cash. Yeah. As long as you knew the cash was coming in the next couple of days, you could write a check at Walmart for fifty dollars over the amount and get fifty dollars cash. That didn't really exist. But as long like as long as you knew the check was coming, that was like, oh, cool, I have money now. Like. Uh, my parents like taught me that trick, and so like that's my own blank check story. <laughs> Good thing you only did it for fifty and not a million. I I wasn't thinking. Um, so like I guess yeah, the movie's basically check fraud. A kid yeah. commits check fraud from a burglar. At the same time, from a guy who stole a million dollars. So are there any good guys? I don't know. That's so I did the math. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the math? Uh, it would be worth 2.2 million today. So like double, but inflation. That house was the castle in the movie, which I guess is Robert Rodriguez's house, is was listing it at 150,000. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like even back then, that's like... That no- would have been not, right? It was Iowa, though. It was allegedly taking place in Iowa. Oh, okay. Iowa, right? We have a castle like that in my parents' neighborhood, and it's selling for like three million dollars right now. Yeah, because I because so my parents bought their house in '98, and I think they paid a hundred for it, and it was like a four bedroom raised ranch in a in the hood. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't so 150 probably seems pretty low then. Yeah, yeah. I remember when my parents bought a house in the or in '96 or '97. It was like. Same same ranch, four bedroom, but they were wanting it under a hundred. That was the thing. They were looking at the eighty to a hundred was the Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in seven year old my seven or eight year old brain, I thought it was a lot, but yeah, I was definitely looking at that and realized that's why um you know boomers are able to retire and we can't <laughs> because and why they, they don't understand home. us huh and why they don't understand us yeah because they if people um, work from their own perspective they can't right you have to work to functionally understand other people which is why i'm trying to be empathetic towards preston <laughs> towards preston but yeah like you could buy it was a giant house two-story <laughs> just huge huge house and it was started at 150 i think he ended up dropping what 300 on it he spent 300 yeah that's what because his mom also terror like this movie's really misogynistic i feel like i don't remember it being like there's no what women in the movie are just like foils the whole time like Mm -hmm. there's nothing but i i won't speak to that but yeah it's pretty awful I apologize. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. Like, I was watching this movie and I was like, why did I pick such an awfully misogynistic movie? Um, No, like I said, I loved it too. From the 90s. I I was, you know, I think I forgot a lot of it, but I think ultimately it was because I was so into the like fantasy part of it. So, some of the fantasy parts that were cool that I personally was into was there's like, he had a water, he had a water slide built. Water slide from, from the, the office into the pool. I would fucking get one of those fucking right now. You know how you know you made it in the 90s movies when you put round sunglasses on? 
for those listening. I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to find those because I'm like a fashion like I'm like a 90s fashion like obsessed person. And I was trying to find the pair, but no one had it listed. But there's like a pair of Cartier round set geometric shaped glasses. And I'm pretty sure the ones he wears oh, most yeah. of the movie are Mitsuda Japanese sunglasses, which are the same ones that uh same company that made the ones that um Sarah Connor wears in Terminator 2. Okay. I, yeah. well, so related to his fashion, I feel like he did some a lot of things that you're like, oh, kids do that. Kid, yeah. like that's what a kid wants to do. So like installing a giant like TV, video games, virtual reality, like the most at that point, that was all like super high tech shit, right? Yeah. But then he also did like little like baby adult things, like bought a three piece suit. Yeah, which is like bought real estate. Yeah, he bought <laughs> his first his first act was to go buy a real estate. You're yeah. right. And he grabs a number off the sign, which I I didn't really pick up on that. Like that, he didn't write the number down because he's a kid buying a house. He's right. not gonna know to write the number down. <laughs> well, you know what was actually funny too is so this is all based off his wish list, right? Like he wishes he would get his own house because he hates his family. He wishes well, he, he his, his girlfriend. Dead. He <laughs> wants his brother's dead. Yeah. Well, that's that one. Then he out. made everything else happen, but he made no strides to kill. His- that was number one. He was supposed to off his brothers and he never even tried. He so, kind of turned them into slaves, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's another thing. So related to like. So it is a very male dominated film. And also it's a very like capitalistic film. So you got the the dudes, the dude who stole the money. Then you get the fucking Weasley eyed banker who I don't understand why he's really helping him other than coercion. And then you get another criminal who's also, I guess, after a cut of the money, but they're, they're all after this money. And then on the other side, you got this dude, this white guy, Preston's dad, who is like raising uh Fred, who's like raising a family of fucking like mini capitalists like he's like telling Preston at 11 years old you need a job and your brothers like they're more worthy of space because they have jobs and they we you know in the film they make Preston makes someone up to act like he's like working for him and then like the dad's like oh yeah let me give you my like financial plan or whatever the fuck it was so you could bring it to your boss so like everything they did was like motivated by greed so it's really like no fucking surprise that preston like grew up the way he did and feeling the way he did it was Um, very like reagan era um family and like exactly i i didn't really find it relatable it's kind of like when you watch sitcoms and you realize like even like poor people still have two-story houses like i've never lived in a two-story house like my entire life and maybe that's like a midwest thing but like no like roseanne like i wish i wish i were as rich as roseanne (laughs) i've been to the roseanne house and i literally considered moving to like evanston and or wherever it is in indiana Mm-hmm. because the houses were like that that neighborhood the houses were like 100k like five years ago mm-hmm. and the house across the street from roseanne's house was for sale 
<laughs> I was like, why would you want to live in the Roseanne house? Because you can live in the across the street of the Roseanne house and just see Roseanne's house every day. That's your view. Like and your view is the establishing shots of Roseanne. <laughs> that's just imagine what's going on. Like this, that's the better house. And we know it's the better house because on Roseanne, like the richer, snobbier neighbor, whoever was the flavor of the week, lived in that house. So the better, like the fucking snobby, richy, rich people lived in the house across the street. Well, now it's Middle Eastern people who live there in the new series. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and we all have the one thing we all have in common is that we're on food stamps. <laughs> anyway. Watch Roseanne. <laughs> oh, Daniel it. and I, we love Roseanne. And then oh, we yeah. watched the collapse of Roseanne, which was a bummer. My brother called me Dan Connor today uh, because I wore this outfit to go s- shovel snow with like a, <laughs> like a denim jacket. It's like we got the Dan Connor on today. So um, I have some stuff. I kind of I took I did take notes and like some of them we kind of already covered. Uh, talked about I want candy. Yeah. Um, I'm interested about those headlines. Do we want to read the headlines or talk about how everybody in this movie's dead? <laughs> uh, I <Not> okay. everybody, <laughs> but like it seems okay. I will. Preston okay, is an abandoned Colorado now. So <laughs> what band was he in? He was in Preston was in like uh, a two thousands band at some. He point. was second guitar in one of the kind of grungy bands that came out in the two thousands. Okay, so okay, headlines. Let's put some respect on his name. His name is Brian Bonsall. Brian Bonsall was also he was born in the same city as my little sibling. Kind of cool, Torrance, California. Um, but the Ataris. He was. He's in the Ataris, emo royalty, right? But he also was the little brother on Family Ties. I'm just saying he's not dead. He's not dead, which let's just start there. I'm actually surprised. So when um, Daniel mentioned that like a bunch of these people are dead, I started going through the list and I was like, oh, and so it was like a bunch of dudes like so over the years, you know, you see like a obituary come through for a random celebrity and you're always like, I kind of know them, but I can't remember. But like, that sucks that they're dead. And like, that's where all those dudes came from. So the guy who played the um the crim- the primary criminal Wiggly Mike Miguel Ferrer also George dead. Clooney's cousin who's George Clooney oh oh yeah they're related I forgot about that yeah he was he's also on CSI like he was on CSI which my parents watched and they had a whole hour long tribute to him I watched oh his mom was Rosemary Clooney mm-hmm. I think he's in RoboCop. Yeah, but he had cancer. Michael Lerner, who was like a character actor, was in the movie, and he died uh, this year. But he was old. The banker? Yeah, Yeah, he was old. Tone Loke is still alive. As of November 26, 2023. (laughs) Uh, James Redburn died. Uh, He was the dad, and he died at 65. Ooh, he looked 65 in this movie. No, I didn't, didn't he? And I was thinking about that. I was like, I feel like some dudes just grow up looking old their whole life. Yeah. Um, Debbie Allen's still kicking it. 
uh, Rick Dukama, like Dukaman, I, who I actually, uh, I know you have like a stand-up background, Jessica. So like, did you, did, did his like whole, like when they would put stand-up comedians in films and they would just do their bits to fill time, like mm-hmm. his stuff was so cringy. Like, I don't know if you like. Well, and he's a, he's the friend in the burbs. And that yeah. is like a wild one. So I don't just clarify. I didn't stand do stand up. I hired stand up people. I worked at comedy clubs, but I never did it. But um, you're a connoisseur. You're yeah. a connoisseur. But, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he often goes into like little things. But I thought in this movie, this was the perfect little space for him because he was like silly, but he wasn't creepy. And that difference is not always made in situations he was a working class guy he was like the kid's best friend like yeah which i thought was weird like let's just so it's funny that you're saying it's not creepy but okay well a few things i feel like this guy is the guy that they called if chris farley and john candy were unavailable right like he was like third third in line right um i loved him so cute um funny wholesome kind of but then when you think about it he was like a grown ass man who was totally fine just like hanging out with a child. So like do you take it as like he was being a guardian of this kid because like to me I'm like oh it's a little immature that he was like partying with him. But as I'm processing, he did also like he would leave. Like he was he went to hang out with his his real friends. Right. Yeah. Well, there was a moment <laughs> There was a moment that I was like, oh, he sees this kid as a sad and lonely kid. Yeah. So when he's the first time they stopped for ice cream, I feel like that was the time when he was like, oh, this kid's got no one. And you could just tell he was lonely and it filled this like, because one of the things that I couldn't understand about the end of the movie is I was like, why can't they be friends? <laughs> why? I just thought they were like, they'd still be- help. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I thought at the end of the movie he was like, I'll see you around, or did he like wasn't that kind of established like, that they I kind of read it like a goodbye forever. Like he didn't uh, live on the street next door. Honestly, I just thought he was like, Oh, the money's gone. Peace. You know, like that was nice. <laughs> Interesting how we all took it a very different way. I yeah, I I just All right. So if we were his so we're all kind of the age he would have been, right? He would this guy was what 42 ish so tell me if you all if a precocious child he wasn't precocious he was dumb dumb fuck but preston if a kid just comes in and is like yo i have this bag of money i have a bag of money um and i want to spend it for this rich guy would you just would you take it would you be like hell yeah um plead ignorance i would probably actually (laughs) okay this is a free internet thing so like i don't i mean like i mean you're getting it's your job right like if a kid hires me to drive him around i'll take the money like but he was like buying him gifts and like part like they were playing basketball he was never asking for those things like that's what the difference is is that if he was like oh man i really like this whatever it is he was the just kid a, would include him in the conversation, but he never went and got something for Henry that Henry didn't also. He didn't buy him a diamond necklace. Is all I'm saying. It's like yeah. you know, he bought Henry a watch. 
a nice watch. Oh, yeah. But he like essentially what you're saying is he was a gracious acceptor. <laughs> I felt like he course. was on retainer, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because he was just like, whoa, this is cool. But like, I mean, Preston's story falls apart real fucking fast. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing happens in six days. <laughs> that was one of the things that you ask him any kind of critical question you would figure it out yeah well i think he knew i feel like henry knew the whole time that there was no mr mcintosh like i he i feel like he did. That. at the end he basically said that yeah he knew that so so i don't know i would have been concerned about his well-being and his safety and so i would have like been bothered that his parents weren't freaked out by me you know okay. what i mean so more of a like better me than him being in the like the hands of a fucking weirdo. The thing yeah, I mean, is, I would have been too nosy. I would have been trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Why this kid has money? Yeah. That's the thing. Henry didn't care, so he was like probably just stoned. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's the missing piece that he was actually just stoned the whole time, which is why he was so into the same shit as his child. Um. So I think or also it's reason. an allegory that all men are children. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's no, it's literally cool. I have a skateboard right here. <laughs> uh, with with uh, Atari games. things on the back. Little like video. Yeah, it's a yeah, Stephen Paul Judd. Uh, it was a gift. That was a gift. But then I have um, why we're doing this? I know they can't see it. I have a gremlin puppet. See. Yeah, Daniel would have been like, fuck this. I'm in. You can tell me your secrets, kid, but I will stick up for you. That's but how you would have acted in this situation, Daniel. Daniel also, didn't you just get Simpsons figurines? Did you end up getting those? Oh, no, I didn't get them yet. I'm waiting for them to go, like, go down in price. So I'll, Daniel's I'll... also <laughs> watching some Simpsons action, action figures. Yeah. Um, no, my house, yeah, no, I got, like, comic books right here. Like, No, so... I really feel like that movie like made me like i don't know like the barbie movie like <laughs> my are last girls if the barbie movie made us what we are <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, like like the last girl i dated was like you live in a mojo dojo casa house <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey, this is blank check blank check <laughs> and then like heavyweights i feel like both movies like and the other thing I want to say is, like, I went to muscular dystrophy camp as a kid. Uh, I don't want to get into the whole details of that, which is a lot, like, legitimate. I have, like, a neurological disorder. But I had an adult attendant yeah, the whole week that, for insurance reasons, had to make sure I was safe the whole week. Mm -hmm. So I had, like, an adult buddy to hang out with for a whole week. Like, yeah. every camper did. Yeah, that's pretty but, like. I don't know. I guess I was always kind of used to hanging out with like adults because of that. So I don't know. But all right. Well, I'm taking I found it back. the Henry relationship very endearing. <laughs> I'm taking it back, and here's why. He did act more appropriately than the literal FBI agent. Thank you. Also, I want to say, <laughs> can I say real quick? This movie would not have ha can't happen now because of civil yeah. asset forfeiture laws. Oh, yeah, like where he couldn't get that money back. They didn't even have to investigate. They could have detained the kid and just took all the money. Right. <laughs> the movie would have been. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. Like, but I was. But you know. It didn't happen for a lot of reasons. There's that a lot of things working against <laughs> it these days, I would say. 
I'm just very anti-civil asset forfeiture laws. There you uh, go. So <laughs> what are the other head what are the headlines that you found? Oh, okay. All right, let's do this. All right. Uh should I share my screen so you guys can see them? I feel like hearing them is just as read them. All right. So I'm just gonna go down the list here. All right. Uh blank this is all reviews from February, the week it came out, this nineteen ninety-four. Blank check is so so kid stuff. That comes from the Burlington Free Press by Jack Garner. All right. Did they think it was for adults? What did they <laughs> expect? The movie. Oh, I'll just get it. Well, I'll just keep going through the head, the like the headlines of the reviews. Blank. This is from Reading Record Searchlight. This is by Soren Anderson. Blank check can be pretty much written off. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's about taxes, not checks, but fine. I love it. Oh. Um, blank check another dumb kid fantasy film and that was from the Arizona Daily Star by M. Scott Skinner I feel like someone named Skinner would say it was bad I just feel like and then okay and then um, blank check is devoid of fun by Bruce R. Miller uh, the Sioux City Journal (laughs) why are you so mad Bruce like and oh, the, it's fun. Okay, this one is was my favorite. Uh, this is from the Hartford Current, Current, uh, from Hartford, Connecticut. Blank check merits very low interest rate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, a uh, new comedy fantasy draws. I get. I didn't know it was like defined as a fantasy, but I guess yeah. There's no way in real life a child can get a million dollars. New comedy fantasy draws a big blank. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing: it opened number three. It's opening weekend, and it earned. Did it earn more than? Yeah, it earned three times its budget. So, I mean, that's pretty fucking good. I think for adults, I'm sure adults hated it, but I think we loved it as kids. And I I feel like I probably nagged my mom to to let me watch it. I saw Um, it in theaters. It was also on two year end list, the Buffalo News and the Tampa Tribune. (laughs) Year end list? year-end list as the worst film of the year and those commies at the la times had this to say (laughs) check fantasy buys into materialism oh from comrade peter rainier well beyond materialism it also bought into let's talk about the most uncomfortable aspect of this film which I loved as a kid, apparently. <laughs> Diane, Diane had sex music in the background when she was a kid, but now she's like, okay. <laughs> Doesn't well. So so they were both older than me when I watched this. But um, so the FBI agent I mentioned, she's trying to bust whoever I I'm it's not clear or wasn't clear to me like what exactly she was doing, but she's like trying to bust somebody. Because she, she felt like some fraud was afoot or something. I think she was always watching the president of the bank. She, she was there to I investigate think. the bank president, yeah. was kind of my view. Um, based on this Quigley dude's like 
testimony. I don't fucking know. There is an there's an expository scene of her like scanning a dollar with an FBI FBI tracer. Yeah. yeah, So I'm assuming that is kind of like the cause. I yeah, sorry. That it was in no, that made okay. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, basically it was like in a like some kind of ring. I don't fucking know. But essentially she's this FBI agent and then she kind of adopts the whatever it takes all um i'll get it's some info weird because he Macintosh went to the bank with a picture of her when he went to the bank the first time to deposit 11 dollars, he had like her flyer as a banker mm-hmm. so he was like i'm going to see this lady I which i thought look. was kind of weird she yeah, was well, deeply embedded in she was a deeply embedded undercover agent. Working she had been an under, undercover agent for 22 years as, as a bank, bank teller. teller. <laughs> That's good FBI. Which is that like, oh, re- I don't like money laundry. I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to think about it. So I feel like we made progress as women in this film that someone was an F, a female was an FBI agent at the same time everything else about her was terrible so very loose boundaries with preston dress on the date like yeah why she, she agrees to go on a date up. with him allegedly get info but she's wearing fucking oh she got a high slit? outfit she got a low top i'm like girl this movie takes on know, the male gaze very seriously I it thought. really does yeah <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that there's like a whole like um like a there's a move to get it pulled from Disney Plus because of a weird relationship because Disney I don't know if you know has like a history of like kind of being not like anti-gay but like playing down gay characters and things mm-hmm, yeah. and they removed some show from Disney Plus because there was like a gay relationship and um people are like uh <laughs> Disney if you're gonna pull inappropriate relationships take a look at blank check. <laughs> So the actress Karen Duffy was 31 and Brian Bonsall, even though he was older than 11, he was was only 13. Yeah. So she was 18 years older than this kid. And it's like weirdly like she slowly starts to seem like she's into him, including a scene while they're at dinner where they like dance and, um, like this like fountain display thing that uh I mean her whole dress gets soaked, which I thought was hot <laughs> as a I, child. <laughs> I feel like yes, they were like it was. No, that's the problem of the movie. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> I feel like they were like, dads are gonna take your kids to this. Because when I would see hype, can I tell like a story about seeing like hypersexualized things in movies as a child? Um, when Batman Returns came out, I saw like all the Batman Returns scenes with Michelle Pfeiffer. And I thought that like I saw like the clips and stuff before the movie. And I thought the cats turned her into Catwoman. And I was just like, really, I felt like very uncomfortable around Catwoman. I didn't know about this later, but to the point where I was scared of cats for like a whole year. And I was like, I don't want to turn into Catwoman. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, watching it I now, I realize it's because like my like, pre-pre-adolescent brain, my child brain, 
couldn't comprehend the sexual tension that was in Batman Returns. And I was like, why is she acting weird? Like, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. How come she went from nerdy to slutty? It doesn't make sense. Help me make it make sense. And so I think when I watched this, I probably just tuned all that out. Like, I would just be like, well, they're not showing them by crap and doing fun stuff anymore. I don't care about this movie. You know, I think the thing is, right, in that scene where she's running around with him, if she wasn't dressed the way, and I hate to, like, I hate to do this, but if she was dressed in jeans and a t-shirt, you could see an aunt running around with their nephew like that, right? Like, it wasn't, like, inherently, that part wasn't the inherent sexuality of it. It was just so weird that she, like, went to dress, like, she went dressed up like that to the date. But then, you know, and this is, like, the the consistent like how do we work through the double standards of sexism right is like yo if a man kissed a girl on the mouth like that in a movie in the 90s i do think that that would have caused fucking chaos but because it was a woman and women are not threatening or whatever it was like not chaos and it was supposed to be sweet and but at the same time like you said the movie was like made for the male gaze Like, I don't know how to unwrap that in that space. I will say, like, yeah, it was, it's that double standard. But I also, that reminds me, though, that there is that cringy John Jeff, John, was it, uh, Depardieu movie, uh, My Father the Hero. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, never mind. It's like a weird, like, this, his teenage daughter and him pretend to be married. And it's gross. It's oh, like, and that with that Natalie Portman one when she's young, and she's like with a with a bad like a hitman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Leon the hitman. Yeah, yeah, that but, one happened. But like, she could have just kissed him on the cheek. Is all I'm saying. Like, why was there a mouth? Well, kiss there was involved? a few things. So I I think she could have. So at the part where we're in the fountain, you're right. If her clothing was different, it would have been different. And at that point, she kind of like was still giving off like, oh, it's like fun being a kid again kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. But then where it crossed the line (laughs) for me is then when she's telling him. So he's 11. He just turned 11. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says, call me in 10 years. And he's like, they they negotiate. They land on six. So he's still going to be 17 when he's allowed to call her. She's in the FBI. She can pull some strings to get herself out of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know when they like have to do drill like in those movies when like the cop is like, I'm going to be dirty, chief. (laughs) The the dealer made me smoke crack, chief. I'm going (laughs) to... Like... I had to kiss this child, child after the case was resolved. <laughs> right. After all the arrests had been made, I had to kiss him and promise to take his 17-year-old virginity away. I wasn't supposed to do that? That's too far. <laughs> I'm sorry you left me in this small town for entirely too long. Thank you. Um, He's my only option here. <laughs> Total either him or Henry. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Um, oh, no. I will say though, like it, it was a kids' movie, but again, I think I think 
there was like this whole like undertone of like we gotta put in something for the parents because yeah. there's this scene where Henry's talking to him about what to do on a date and then he's like dress nice or whatever be polite and I'll throw in words like non-committal did you catch that line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I wonder also is it just it could just be for like teenage boys too to like identify with this little kind of nerdy I mean the pleated shorts at the beginning he's standing he's waiting watching his friends go in the roller coasters and shit like he was a, a loser at the beginning even mm-hmm. that ugly kid Butch who did oh, such Butch. a good job in this movie that I forgot that I actually liked him in Hook. Such Is a good he, job. He's one of the kids in Hook. Oh. Yeah. And he was so like when they were kind of hanging him off a building, I was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he seem like there was a fucking I was asshole. To have. All right. <laughs> anything else that we want to cover before we get into our favorite, least favorite, cringiest moments? Loved it, hated it, cringiest. Uh, the the level of montages in this movie, I counted three. <laughs> that is a lot. They need a lot of exposition. <laughs> they need to get things. They need to get plot points ahead quick. <laughs> because it did happen over six days, so <laughs> we have that moment. All right, who wants to go first? I could do. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, my favorite part of this movie was the three montages. <laughs> In particularly the one where they play Bow Wow Wow's 1981 pop punk hit, <laughs> I Love Candy, which was a cover. Um, no, I, I um, want candy, I, right? I want candy, yeah. I think that it, I think that's all I remember from this movie was like a kid <laughs> spinning crazy about somebody and like big, and, um, um, Hated every other part of this movie, which uh, top of the list, like um, sexism, obviously, uh, this whole movie was made for men, uh, made for young men by adult men, which is gross and creepy. Um, But also just there is libertarian undertones in the movie the whole time. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a literal nod to Atlas Shrugged in the movie. Uh, Loved it, hate it in the cringiest moment. Um, cringiest moment I'll just say because it wasn't mentioned is like when the Henry's doing um, Henry's doing like ad libbing in the movie where he's basically probably just doing stand up. There's a scene where they're dressed as sumo wrestlers, and he's saying some pretty atrocious Asian stereotype jokes. Uh, that was probably appropriate at the time, but I feel like everything else is cringy. There's a lot of cringe in this movie, but I just want to throw that one in there just to make sure he covered all the bases. It's like, also, there's a lot of racial undertones in this as well. (laughs) Well, and you know what other undertone we didn't talk about is all of it is a warning that gave me strong Christian vibes, like deadly sins, greed is a deadly sin, see how quickly it will backfire against you, because it did backfire against everyone. And I saw that too. Also, this you can't money that you don't work hard for isn't good money, right? It's like, yeah, bootstraps. <laughs> I got my boots on, <laughs> cowboy boots on. All right, Diane? so for me, I would say so. One of the cringiest for me was also a Henry monologue, and so he started describing um, different like idioms, and he was like. 
they say there's two ways to skin a cat but is there really and like just he just gets into like a lot of detail about ways that you could like violently skin a cat this is too much um this is like a lot and so like parts like that you can definitely tell he was just practicing or like improving or practicing stand-up um i would say the least favorite aspect of the film was the amount of contempt that preston's parents had towards each other that never got resolved that was just like part of the thing <laughs> you know like his mom was just a bitch and um their sex life wasn't good, according their to their sex life wasn't good. Which of the she told her son, No, he needed enough. Yeah. Listen, I listen, if parents in the room, don't fucking tell your kids about your sex life. It don't matter. Like, my parents are were way too old, and I'm like, cut it out. Even now, they're like, oh, and I'm like, stop, 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 stop. These conversations shouldn't exist. Be open with your kids about sex so they're not scary, but not your sex life. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, that's a good point um and probably my most favorite is you know the the parts where he has all this cool shit because that's why i loved it as a kid i mean i loved seeing this new technology like at the time virtual reality was brand new and um like his tv is really like what 12 or 20 tvs stuck together because it's a lot like the witches of eastwick Mm-hmm. a wall exactly. of tvs is something i still want like i still want that <laughs> like i also have an oculus like i'm literally i feel like that yeah. this movie just like implanted these like capital i really think so yeah <laughs> now well, now every time you're going to make a purchase you just say what would preston do what is would this preston? Pre- is this preston code? he would spend a million dollars in six freaking days <laughs> He went fucking Gatsby. Full <laughs> <laughs> Gatsby. He Gatsby'd that FBI agent. <laughs> oh God. I just love that he's like, I don't have money anymore. It's literally gone. I have three hundred dollars left. You want it? <laughs> huh. Did you go through all three? Yeah. Right. Okay. So the reason I was laughing is because my favorite part was the skin again. <laughs> Monologue because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I took this movie very differently. Like, I don't know what was going on, but I was like, oh, it's so sweet. He's like teaching him life lessons. No one in his life teaches him life lessons. Like, clearly, his parents don't give him, even though that dad had that moment, like, I guess I just expect more of him. And that's why I don't treat him as nice as, like, fuck that all. He's going to be a great capitalist. <laughs> So uh, that was my favorite. That's why I started laughing because I was like, oh, I literally wrote the skin the cat part. <laughs> my favorite. My uh, so crazy- I guess. What? So I guess we can say uh, blank check is a check we wouldn't endorse in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blank check bounced its way off my favorite childhood <laughs> films list. <laughs> so for cringiest um everything like all the dating with shay stuff i put and then the pulling the black lady's wig off like didn't make any sense and then the hated was um when they hung butch off this i didn't love it when they hung a child from the building um but uh that i hated so the part that really got to my heart 
is when he realized he didn't have any money for the party, like in the beginning that we talked about earlier. So when he's like there and he's trying to like just watch people and he has to go on the carousel while they go on the cool rides. I hated that. Like I felt that yeah. deep in my poor kid bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hated that part of it. It's like those fat when you get that first fast spud check and you're just (laughs) (laughs) buying so much crap and then like October comes and you're like shit. Gotta get a job. (laughs) All right. So does it pass the smell test? Oh no. (laughs) Not even definitely not. (laughs) It was voided. I'm, I'm so trying... sad that I can't think of any Czech references for this conversation, but yeah, it was pretty bad. So thanks <laughs> Let, for that. Let's just say it was a hot. Yeah, you know, I'm, out. I'm out. I don't have any more. It stole my time. Yeah. <laughs> Got nothing. Well, uh, if you liked this episode, this is, we are on Instagram at the Smell Test Podcast. We also have a Gmail, Smell Test Pod at gmail.com and what's the other one diane uh we're on twitter or on x formerly known as twitter as smell test pod i think should we tag brian or should you guys tag brian bonzel (laughs) yes like your 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 movie isn't even good anymore bro stick to music Uh Oh, my meme page has more followers than Brian Ponzel. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Thing. Listen, this is the problem is that the smell test peaked too early because Rachel True acknowledged us and now I don't fucking care about anything else. So did Mandy Ingber. Right. We had good, good follows for a second. And those that's, that was the important part. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. I'm ex- I was excited to be on this podcast. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for coming. It was fun. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See you later.